Alright everyone, welcome to BirdCast, the only podcast recorded inside a live Avery. Our guest today is Western Australian photographer, Chris Tate. Chris is a passionate and well-known nature photographer. Recently, he has published his book, offering up his personal photography hints and tips. The book is called West Australian Birds and Wildflowers. Tips to capture them on your camera, phone, or device. Birdman Dad thought that what Chris had to say may be very interesting to the listeners, in that Chris's ideas could help out people trying to take photos of their own birds, and of course, wild ones. So do you want me to start with a little bit of history? Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Um, I actually bought my first camera when I was only about 11 years old, and it was a um, Kodak Instamatic. I was trying to take bird photos, which was near on impossible because the um, technology back then just wasn't um, very good at all. And then after leaving school, I worked in a dark room at a wedding photography studio for a couple of months. Um, and I was also employed at the original professional colour laboratory in Subiaco. That's, that was the first professional laboratory, and that, that was sort of quite interesting. But I was in a dark room all day, and um, anyway, I lasted a few months there. <laughs> and I gave photography away for many years, um, mainly, I guess, because of the cost. Uh, back in those days, you had to send your photographs off to Kodak in um, Melbourne, and it took 10 days to get your results. And I also didn't have an income um, you know, when I was in, in primary school and that. So I basically gave photography away for a long time. And then in 2008, I uh, w- was going to a walking safari in South Africa in Kruger National Park. And um, I thought I'd love to get photos of the wild animals. So I, I bought my first digital camera and, uh, and a big sort of telephoto lens. And I've been sort of almost, uh, I, I guess, very passionate from 2008 right up to the, the current time. But just a couple of things I got involved in uh, in the past was um, I was the official photographer for the Boy and Up Boy Up Book uh, Country Music Festival, the Nanup Music Festival, uh, Christmas Island Bird Week, uh, Bunbury Multicultural Festival, State Cycling Championships, and I also did photos for the maps of the Bibbulmun Trail and the Mundabidi Trail. Um, so that's a little bit of background. Okay, that's very interesting. I did not know a lot about that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so welcome to BirdCast. Um, you've introduced yourself. If you want to say anything else, um, to just introduce yourself a little bit more to the listeners. Um, yeah, I, I currently live in uh, down near Bunbury. I'm actually in Australind, and um, we've been down here for nearly 20 years now. But it was quite interesting sort of coming down here because for me there was, it was just a, a different geographic area where there was lots of different birds, and, and I, I suppose I was, I was getting a bit kind of au fait, you know, I was just too used to where I was up in Perth, so uh, it was interesting coming down to Bunbury, and I, I think it sort of reinvigorated, um, you know, some of my interest in, in wildlife and doing photography. Ah, is there a lot uh, a lot more birds down in uh, Bunbury to f- uh, photograph than in Perth? Um, yeah, I think there is, because I lived in the hills up in um, Sawyers Valley, um, whereas it's quite different down in Bunbury because we've got um, we've got rivers. I'm, I'm quite close to the big estuary here, and we've also got the beach. and, and birds are often, um, you know, they sort of gravitate towards water. So um, I'm finding there's a lot more diversity in the birds, and, and just having different ones, so I guess, to photograph made it more interesting. Ah, okay. All right. So we'll move on to the first question. 
It would seem that interest in nature photography is on the rise. Why do you think that photography and this subject of photography has become so popular in the recent years? I think photography has made major leaps um, in recent times due to advancement in technology, really. Um, nearly everyone has a camera, whether it's you know on their iPhone, their iPad, um, you know, whether they've got a GoPro or, or right up to a, a full sort of DSLR-type camera. So I guess, you know, there's a lot of the cameras now are small enough to go in your pocket or your handbag, and the results are surprisingly good, you know, and, and the technology is just improving virtually on a daily basis. Ah. What inspired you at 11 years old to go out and purchase a Kodak Instamatic camera and try to take bird photographs? Well, to be honest, I, I, I don't actually know if I bought it or whether it was an existing family camera. I, I really can't remember, but um, I just had this little camera and I had a school friend who was interested in photography and in wildlife. And um, so together we, we sort of went out and tried to photograph birds. But as I said earlier, it was near on impossible because um, the birds or any subject in, in one of those little instamatic cameras, they were so far in the distance that um, it proved near on impossible. Okay. Do you have a favourite West Australian bird to photograph? And why is this bird or birds your favourite? I think my favourite bird is probably the rainbow bee-eater. It's got a kaleidoscope of colour, you know, it's quite dazzling and um, because it's insectivorous, um, you know, it just eats insects, it's not sort of aggressive, it, it, it's, it's not aggressive to other birds or to people, it's a beautiful looking bird. They migrate to southern parts of WA from up north each October to breed, and they breed down here and um, then they return back north in late March before the wet season. And the other interesting thing about them is they actually dig a hole in the ground and, and nest in the ground. Wow. That's, I've never, ever heard of a bird that does that. That's insane. <laughs> wow. Reading your book, I have noticed that it is not just about how to take photographs of birds and wildflowers. It has many beautiful, full-coloured, full-page bird and flower photos, but also provides many descriptions of the birds in the photos and an insight into a particular bird's habitat. Why did you include this extra but very interesting information in your book? Well, originally I wanted a book um, to be quite pictorial, you know, just to be sort of colourful photos of, of birds and flowers without any sort of technical information. There are plenty of bird books out there and there's loads of information on the internet with sort of technical jargon about cameras and lenses and all of that stuff. I was in uh, Camera House down here one day and uh, the staff said to me, you know, how do you get such good shots of birds? They said, it's nearly impossible. So I decided to write something that was sort of very easy to follow, was brief, and more importantly, it sort of describes how to get close to wild birds because often they're only there for less than a second and if they see you coming, they'll take off. So I tried to sort of tackle it from a different angle. And so this book is more about sort of what you put in the frame what to leave out, uh, you know, what to focus on. And I also give actual examples of why and how I got a particular shot. So, and it contains some award-winning photos and anecdotes sort of, of details of how or why a shot was taken. Ah, okay. For a beginning photographer, what camera would you suggest would be a useful starter for those wanting to take bird photos? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm asked this question quite often actually. Um, it depends on so many factors. 
I usually ask people sort of how serious are you? You know, I mean, how much do you um, want to spend on, on, on a camera? And that that often determines, um, you know, or sort of minimises the, the field that we have to look at. But um, there's just so many options available for the very serious photographer. Um, I would look at well-known brands of um, the SLR cameras, which you know, like Canon, uh, Nikon, Olympus, or Sony. There, there, there are quite a few actually. And you, you have mid-range, what they call mid-range cameras, that you might be looking, say, up to around two thousand um, dollars plus a good lens. For bird photography, I, I use a, a lens which is six hundred millimeter, and that cost me around about eighteen hundred dollars plus the cost of the camera, so, you know, it can get reasonably expensive, yeah. but, I mean, you can even get what they call a phase one camera that can go up to $25,000, so, uh, yeah, it depends how serious you are, but then you've also got the option of um, whether you go digital or mirrorless. Um, personally, I use a Sony mirrorless, um, which I, I find is very good for birds, and, and um, it is a highly acclaimed camera, but a simpler and cheaper option uh, for other people, maybe something like a Nikon Coolpix 1000. Um, and the reason I mention this one is because it has a fixed lens, so you don't have to keep changing your lenses. And um, it's got a massive uh, telephoto uh, lens. It goes up to, if people understand, you know, it goes up to 3,000 millimeters. And I think it's one of the most powerful telephoto lenses in the world. And um, this camera costs around $1,500, which, which is quite a lot, I guess, for some people. But you don't have to buy any extra lenses, I guess. And you can take shots of, of say, birds or objects that, that are just so far off in the distance. Uh, and this particular one, I mean, I, I don't normally recommend a camera, but it is good in low-light situations. And there are, there are heaps of camera reviews on internet, so I'd recommend for anyone, maybe go onto internet and look at some of those um, unbiased sort of uh, interview reviews. Okay. All right. So, moving on. Apart from the actual camera or phone, what other equipment do you suggest um, people buy that may help with their bird photos, both in their aviaries, outdoors, and could you explain how this added equipment would improve their photos? Well, I, I think one of the almost um, compulsory items to, to have is a tripod, particularly um, with, with flower photos, but, all, but also with birds. But, um, I find the tripods can sometimes be cumbersome if, if you're out doing bird photography um, but they are an essential piece of kit really um, for a number of situations but another alternative is, is what's called a monopod and the monopod only has as it suggests is one leg instead of three-legged if you like and it's a lot lighter and it's easy to carry around and the, the difference that a monopod or a uh, tripod make is that your photos are just so crisp, they're so much sharper, and it is really noticeable. So if you can use that equipment, then, then I would definitely recommend it. When you hand-hold a camera, it's very difficult to, um, because you do get a little bit of camera shake, not only from, from your hand, but also from the actual camera itself. And that's why a, a monopod or a tripod um, can, uh, can be quite valuable. The other thing you can look at if you're serious about uh, getting some good bird photos is what they call a bird hide. You can buy them off the internet. It's like a little sort of camouflage tent. But I actually made my own, and I, I just bought a uh, second-hand wool bale, 
and put it on four star pickets and um, I sprayed a bit of you know a bit of spray paint on it to camouflage mm-hmm. it and uh, that works you know really well the, the other thing I, I do recommend people carry is definitely have a, at least one extra battery and have some extra camera cards um, to ca- carry around with you because there's nothing worse than being out in the bush if that's where you are and taking photos and you, your battery runs out or you, your camera card becomes full yeah okay for those people who have um, aviary birds and they want to photograph them, they're often trying to take pictures outside of the aviary, so they have to capture past the wire and try and focus on the bird. Do you suggest any hints or tips to make these photos more successful, in that it shows more of the bird and less of the wire? Yeah, well taking photos through cage wire is a bit difficult, but it depends on the size of the wire netting. I mean, if it's a very sort of a small, like what we used to call budgie wire, I guess, um, you can't get the lens right up to the wire without having some wire across the actual image. And um, the the, the best way to overcome it, if you you don't have any other options, I suppose, if you can change the aperture setting on your camera, if if you take it to the, what's known as the widest aperture, which is actually, this is where it gets confusing, but it's the smallest number on the, on the camera lens. You can set your camera lens to something like f4, f5.6, whatever the smallest number is. It actually gives you what they call a, a shallow depth of field. And the, the depth of field is the area that's in focus from the, the front of the image to the back of the image. If you, so if you have a very narrow depth of field and you focus on the bird, then the wire just becomes a very soft sort of blurred and that that is one way of, of of getting around it so if you focus on the bird difficult if you say using an iphone or something where you don't have the settings if in that case i would sort of recommend that you you try and get the lens of your say your iphone right up against the wire and you can probably shoot in between the actual pieces of wire but yeah getting the camera up close and then then having a very wide aperture is is, is i think the best answer okay Cool. Many people who keep birds and having them in planted aviaries, many use native Australian local flowers, shrubs and grasses. If a person wanted to include these native flowers in their bird photographs, do you have any specific flower photo taking tips and could you share a few? Um, yeah, there are quite a few tips uh, in the book on how to get uh, better images of flowers. I like to reduce the background clutter or distracting objects um, to try and make a flower stand out. So I'll often peg a piece of black cloth behind the flower. It can be any colour really um, to complement the flower. Um, It also gives, by having a a black cloth or a a cloth behind the flower, it gives an even colour and lighting to the image. Another tip is to spray water on the flower so it looks like dew. This kind of adds a little bit of freshness to the image, I think, and uh, a little bit of added interest. But the other tip I often say to people is to try and avoid full sunlight. Even mottled sunlight on a subject is difficult for most cameras to get uh, the correct setting because there's what they call a high dynamic range of light. And cameras, even though technology is very good, cameras are still not quite as good as the human eye in, a, in adjusting mm. to the conditions when you've got both bright light and dark light in, in that same image. So um, try and take photos in a shaded area, Which, and if it's in an aviary, you probably, in most cases, won't have direct sun on, on the subject being a bird or a flower anyway, but um, 
if you do, yeah, try and provide some sort of uh, of shade, and then put a some sort of back cloth in to to um, maybe you know because a lot of, a lot of aviaries have sort of like corrugated tin or metal or something sort of in the background, and that can be quite distracting. So um, if you can, then uh, maybe drape cloth over it. Okay. All right. Although your book refers mostly photographing wild birds, many bird traits are universal. For a fast-moving bird like finches, what are a few suggestions you could offer to the listeners that may help them with taking better photographs of their quick-moving birds? Yeah, well, I think the best thing with um, with fast-moving birds, if you want to try and freeze the action uh, of the bird, you need, you need what they call a higher ISO. And ISO, or ISO, is on uh, most cameras these days, and it, it actually increases the amount of light that, that goes to the sensor in the camera. It, it is a fairly simple simple dial, if you like, or, or, or simple method uh, to understand, because uh, the lower the ISO, the, the, the less light that comes in. And most standard cameras uh, are generally on what they, uh, the setting of ISO of 100. If you want to take a bird in, say, flight or that's fast moving, you increase that ISO number. And they go up in, they double in increments. So you could go 200, 400, 600. If I'm taking a bird in flight, I usually use an ISO of, it could be um, 1200 or even 1600. Uh, and that will sort of really freeze the action. The other thing to do is to use, if you use a very low aperture number, as I mentioned earlier, like an F four if you've got it or an f5.6 or something like that that also allows more light onto the camera and so it freezes the action a lot quicker okay cool for those bird keepers using their phone cameras to capture their bird photos what do you recommend they look at changing in their camera settings to improve their photos um is that on a smartphone or yes that's just like on a like on an iphone yeah i think smartphones uh tend to retain more saturated colors and uh, often produce images that are, are much brighter at times and um, even more alive. If I was to take a photo, I mean a lot, a lot of the iPhones these days have, have set sort of modes of them. Um, so you, I mean the quality of photo they take these days is just fantastic but um, anyway you have set modes and it may be sort of for wildflowers, there's night uh, night images, moving images. Yeah, so uh, before you take a photo, if the phone camera automatically sets the focus and the exposure. With the iOS, say, 14 camera phones now, which are very quite modern, um, you can use exposure compensation controls to, to set and lock exposure for, for sort of upcoming shots. But I, I don't want to sort of try and get too technical because mm-hmm. it becomes sort of difficult for people to understand. But I think um, to take better photos with an iPhone, apply one of the built-in photo filters, and these adjustments are pre-defined um, changes, and they can be to your exposure, to the saturation, the sort of hue, you know, which all relate to sort of colours, and other settings that uh, photo photos applies to a picture to give an image a different look. Some effects that you can get on iPhones now include sort of black and white, like the old black and white mm-hmm. film, or even a Polaroid instant camera. Um, you can even get some sort of brown sepia tone. So there, there are a lot of alternatives in there. And the more um, up-to-date the phones get, um, yeah, the more uh, technical information that they actually provide. They're, they're quite amazing, actually. Okay. Do you have a particular um, filter that you like to use? 
Um, yeah, I I use a um, I often use a filter, not so much for my iPhone because I, I tend to actually use my camera a lot more, to be honest. But um, I, I tend to use a UV filter uh, on my camera quite often, and and what it does is it gives um, sort of brilliant colours to, to blue skies and, and and wispy clouds and things, and it it cuts out a lot of reflection in water or off windows. And basically, it's it kind of it's like wearing sunglasses, really. That's the mm-hmm. best way I can put it. it. Kind of darkens the image a little bit. Cuts out very severe light, so that's the one I probably use most often. Okay, there are many bird-related groups on the social media sites, both for wild birds, aviary birds, and companion birds. In your opinion, what is the difference between a snap photo that gets, say, one like, compared to an image that will get uh, a lot of likes and upvotes uh, many times on social media? Yeah, well, there's virtually millions of images on social media, as, as you would know. And um, so if you really want to stand out, the uh, images need to be different. And, and I can't probably pronounce that enough. But, you know, I, I think one way to make them different is to try and take images from a very low perspective, for example, or the alternative, a very high perspective. You know, you can lie on the ground or place the camera on the ground, for example, and you um, it gives you a, a really interesting uh, an image. Another way is to take behavioural, what they call behavioural or, or action photographs, if, you, if you're photographing birds, um, as to say a bird just sitting on a branch, which um, you would, I would refer to as a portrait image. Um, the most interesting shots are those that really tell a story. It could be a birds in dispute over mating, or they could be fighting over territory or food. So there's some sort of action and, and it tells a story in that image. Um, it could be a shot of a bird catching its prey, for example, as well. You could also try very tight or close-up images showing only part of the bird. And some other images that are interesting, if they show the bird's environment, so you're not just showing a close-up sort of tight image of a bird, but you actually show the environment in which it lives, and that can often make an interesting image as well. Okay. Once you have taken your photos, do you use a particular software with them? And why do you use this particular one? And how does it improve your photos? Um, I've actually been using Photoshop for quite a few years now um, to enhance my images. And really, uh, for any competition images now, it, it, it must be near on impossible to, um, to do well in a competition if you're not using some sort of software. But um, so I've been using Photoshop. It is quite complex compared to many other options, and the technology and software is constantly improving. So it's just mind-blowing what you can do to improve or artistically design an image. But I think Photoshop um, is very good. A a lot of people I know in camera clubs and and things now use Lightroom. Both are actually Adobe products, and Lightroom is uh, probably a lot more user-friendly than, mm. than Photoshop, but Photoshop does uh, allow you uh, a couple of options that you don't have in Lightroom. But um, and I've got actually both, but um, I tend to still use Lightroom a lot more, only because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sort of learn how to become very good at it. I guess and it's, it's, it has taken me a long time, um, so occasionally I swap between Lightroom and, and between Photoshop. Okay. Cool. Apart from reading your books and applying your hints and tips, uh, what other th- things do you have groups or other people to, s- or groups or something that uh, people could seek out to improve their progress of their photography skills? 
Yeah, so I I got a lot of information and, and um, help, I guess, from joining my local camera club. Down here it's called uh, the Photographic Group of Bunbury, and I sort of joined them a, a, a few years ago, and it, it kind of taught me all different aspects of photography, from night photography to portraiture to um, landscapes, you know, every, every aspect of photography. And the benefit is that you're talking to people who are like-minded, they're interested in photography, so you can change, uh, exchange ideas, um, you can learn about different aspects of the actual camera itself. Uh, they have workshops, or some of them have workshops. They have a monthly competition, so you can compare and, and see how well you're getting on. So I found that basically invaluable to me. Um, the other thing I do is I, I do post uh, photographs to um, to Facebook on, on sort of specific bird pages and sometimes to um, to Instagram. And one of the benefits of, of, of that is that you um, actually can find out where birds are if, if you're interested in a specific species. And people can also help you identify um, what you have actually taken photos of. So the other thing, of course, you can get tutorials on internet and they're, they're very handy as well. Okay, cool. That's the last question. Is there any other information you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah, I guess that's a hard one. Um, I was going to um, try and exp- explain a little bit about sort of how we use the you know ISO and camera settings, but I, I think all of that has been done before, and, and it's very difficult to get into technical stuff without visuals as, mm-hmm. as well, I guess. So um, I, I think it's probably better, like, as I've done in the book, is just to keep it quite simple. But if anybody is interested in, um, in getting a copy of the book, it is available if you go on to uh, email info at haveagonews.com.au. And Have A Go News is a seniors newspaper, and they actually published the book for me. So I was very pleased that they had the confidence in me to, um, to actually go out there and, uh, and, and publish the book. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Chris, on behalf of the BirdCast team and the listeners. I am sure you have many valuable hints that you have discussed today, and we thank you for sharing your skills with us all. I am confident that if people followed the suggested tips in your book and what you have shared today, their bird photos will improve significantly. Thank you very much. All right. The BirdCast team hopes that our listeners have enjoyed today's episode and that you have heard something new that you can try out with your own bird photos. We would love to hear about some of your successful bird photos. We will place all the relevant information about Chris Tate and his bird photography book, including how to order it, in the show's notes. We will look forward to sharing our next episode with you all. Don't forget, if you want to see our own photos, check out our Instagram account, birdman underscore dad.